Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this house today. And I praise the Lord for that. We're back in our study of the book of uh, Thessalonians. And I'd like for you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 11. Just three verses this morning. 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, verse 11. And I would like for you to keep your Bibles open throughout the entire message because we'll be referring back to some passages in the book of 1 Thessalonians. I, I want to speak to you on the subject today, abound in love. Abound in love. I heard about one woman who was abounding in love. I'm not sure what kind of love it was, but anyway, her husband had died, and uh, they were not very well off, but he left her $20,000. And uh, a friend was concerned about her and said, how are you going? Uh, Is everything fine? Did you have enough money for the arrangements and everything? And she said, oh yeah, it was just perfect. She said, "Uh, I spent $5,000 on the funeral, and $15,000 on the memorial stone. And she said, $15,000 on the memorial stone? What kind of stone was that? She held her hand up, and she said, a three carat. (laughs) So ladies don't get any ideas now. But Paul does talk to the Thessalonian church about abounding in love for one another. Our text, 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase, and here it is, abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God, and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now, the first thing I want to share with you about this passage of Scripture is not so much what this text says, but just to understand what's going on here. Here it is. This is a prayer. Paul is praying a prayer. He, he wants them to know that this is what he's praying for. He writes this prayer down. I think this is noteworthy. It may make a difference in your own prayer life. Paul wants them to know that he's praying for them. He writes the prayer down and he sends it to them. So he writes his prayer down. I'm saying that because I want you to know it's okay to write your prayers down. It's okay to have a prayer journal. It's okay to have a prayer book. I've read some prayers publicly and I've actually had people to criticize me and say, we don't think you should read a prayer. 
Well, if you're uncomfortable with that, you would have been uncomfortable with the Apostle Paul. Because he was always writing prayers down. He was always sending those prayers to other people. Believe it or not, this past week I started looking and searching. I found 41 prayers in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote down. 41 prayers. And he wrote those prayers down and he sent them to the church because he wanted the church to know what he was praying for, how he was praying for them. And in my own heart and mind, I think he wanted them to join him in those prayers and to start praying those prayers with him. Now, that I know of, maybe I missed something, but that I know of, the Apostle Paul never sent a prayer to a lost person. So I don't think you'd want to do that. They wouldn't understand. I mean, don't write a prayer down and send it to somebody and say, I'm praying that you'll quit your drinking and drugging and cussing and and your rebellion and come to church with me next Sunday. I don't don't think that would work. Now, it's all right to pray that prayer. You can pray that for them, but just don't tell them you're praying for them like that. But when it comes to the people of God, when it comes to the family of faith, we should be praying, we should write prayers down, uh, we should use those prayers. Paul does that. In this situation. Now, I I think you will agree with me that if something is important enough for Paul to pray about it, for him to write that prayer down, for him to send that church to the prayer so that, uh, to the church so that they will know what he's praying about, it is worthy of our attention. So, let's just look at these three verses. Verse 11, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Now, the first thing Paul says in this is he just lets them know that, hey, this is a part of my prayer life. I, I want to come see you. I, I want to I be with you. I want to come minister to you. Paul is letting them know that he loves them so much that he's praying and asking God to make a way for him to come and be with them. Uh, probably not as simple in that day and time as it would be in our day and time. And anyway, if you go back, if you remember... Uh, in chapter 2, we talked about this just a little bit. Paul said time and time again, I long to come to be with you, but Satan hindered me. And so he's praying that he will actually be able to come and to be with them. Now, let's skip to verse 13. He says he's praying so that he, speaking of God, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. The Apostle Paul is praying that he can come and see them soon. He wants to come back and minister to them and interact with them and help them and bless them and teach them and impart the good news of God to them. And he lets them know, and one of the reasons I want to do that, and one of the prayers I have for you, is not only that I might see you, but that when you see the Lord, when you see Christ coming in the heavens, when He returns for you, I want you to be established. I want you to be blameless. I want you to be holy before the Lord our God. What a prayer. Wouldn't you want people praying like that for you? That you'll be established, that you'll be blameless. And we know the only way that's possible is through the blood of Jesus. But we can get there and we can live there established, blameless and holy before the Lord at His coming. Two wonderful subjects to pray about. But it is the verse between those two that I want us to look at this morning. Verse 12 says, 
And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. This is a recurring theme with the Apostle Paul. If you look at his writings all over the New Testament, he's always talking about brotherly love and and edifying one another and building one another up and esteeming one another highly in the Lord and the love we are to have for one another. It is something that Paul deals with often. Paul is saying, I want you to abound and increase and keep growing in love for one another. It's like he's just kind of heaping it up. Abound in love. Grow in love. Increase in love. Just keep taking it to a higher level. Church, listen to me. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in songs and teachings and preachings that we just miss the absolute, basic, simple, elementary, practical teachings of God's Word. What the Word is telling us, what it's telling River of Life, what we can glean from this passage of Scripture is that you and I need to abound in love. Amen. That we need to step it up. You say, somebody told me today, somebody told me this day, you walk into this church, you just feel the love of God. There's joy in this house. Uh, there's, there's comfort in this house. There's the presence of God. Love is abounding in this house. Now, I add live just a little bit. They didn't say all that to me. Um, uh, but that's what they were saying. That's what, that's what they meant. And I want to say, Amen! But it's not enough. We need to keep on growing. We need to move higher to a higher level. We need to start loving one another. Oh, we need to go deeper with this. Look at the person next to you and say, I love you. I feel better, don't you? Yeah. Now look at him and say, I didn't say that because the pastor told me to. I mean it. No, I'm... You know the amazing thing about love? Here's the amazing thing about love. And that is in some way we all know what it is. But none of us are very good at defining it. We really aren't. But, but we know it. We, a, a dog will know whether you love him or not. Listen, I, I got a dog. I got a next door neighbor that's a dog. I have a next-door neighbor that has a dog. I have wonderful next-door neighbors. But I have a next-door neighbor that has a dog. That dog loves me! You know why? Because I love that dog. Really, it is, it's the neatest thing. That dog comes sees me every day. And let me tell you what this dog does. Not my dog. It's a wonderful thing. I don't have vet bills. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about anything. But this dog comes to see me every day, comes to my back door, and will sit at that back door until I get something out of the refrigerator <laughs> and go feed that dog. I'll get something out, I'll feed the dog. He'll take off home wag wagging his tail. By the way, you probably have some stuff in your refrigerator you need to feed to a dog too. If you're like my house, we, we keep things long after they should be thrown away. But anyway, so... Uh, so it's, it's just scraps anyway. This is not in my notes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
But love is hard to define, isn't it? Uh, a group of four through eight-year-olds were asked what love is. These are, these are just wonderful. Uh, one, one little child said, love is that first feeling you feel before all the bad stuff gets in the way. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Here's another one. This is my favorite one. I've heard this one uh, several times. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. Here's another one. <clears throat> love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. That's love. Love is when someone hurts you and you get so mad, but you don't yell at them because you know it would hurt their feelings. We could learn from this, couldn't we? Here's another one. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. I believe that. Here's a good one. Love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. <laughs> Our children are watching. Amen. Amen. And by the way, I was talking about love a while ago and knowing when it's in the room. They know when it's in the room. Yes. And they know when it's in the house too. Here's another one. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and my daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell the truth. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you don't like to play with. That's a good one. This is my favorite one. I saved this one to last. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> now, you have to admit, you have to admit, love is hard to define for any of us, isn't it? How do you define love? And I don't know how to define love. A wise man was once asked to define love. And he immediately says, I can't define love. And they said, what do you mean you can't define love? He said, I don't know what love is. But then he said, but I always know when it's present. And I always know when it's absent. He said, I always know when love is is in the room. And so do we, don't we? And I can tell you, friends, everybody we invite to this church, every visitor, every guest that comes through the door of our fellowship here at River of Life, we don't have to stand up and say, we are a loving church. They know it. They either know it's here, or they know it's not here. And we are to love one another. Yes. And I'm talking about real love. I'm not talking about that a fickle, self-centered, worldly, hot and cold, emotional love of the world. I've known people all my life who would love you until you said something they didn't like. They will love you until you make a mistake. 
They will love you until you say no. I've had people show up at this church and tell me how much they love me and how much they love this church. And, and then one day they'll ask me to do something and I can't do it. And I try to be nice and sweet about it, but I just say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And they bold immediately. I've known people my whole life that would love you until... But is that really love? Or is that just selfishness and self-centeredness dressed up to look like love? See, that's what the world's love looks like. But oh, friends, that's not what biblical love looks like. That's not what it looks like. You see, according to the Word of God, we're to have an unconditional love for one another. We're to have an undying love for one another. An unbroken love for one another. In fact, the Bible is almost ridiculous when it comes to this. The Bible says we're to love even our, say it with me, enemies. But that there is to be a special and wonderful and glorious love in the household of faith. Now, we don't have to agree with each other all the time. And sometimes we do have to say no to one another. And sometimes we have to correct and admonish one another. But the fact is, we should have an unconditional, undying, strong, enduring, wonderful, heavenly love for one another. I've I've thought long and hard about this. You know, in some ways, when the world looks at us, we almost want them to think we're a little bit weird. Don't we? We don't want them to look at us and think we're just like them, do we? From their eyes, don't we want them to think we're just a little bit weird? That's just strange. Them acting the way they act. Some years ago, when River of Life was just getting started, and... The county had never seen a church like ours before. And people didn't understand. Here we were, we were a church that said, okay, we're not going to be a denomination. We're not anti-denomination. By the way, we are not a non-denominational church. Hear me. We're not a non-denominational church. We're an interdenominational church. You know why we're an interdenominational church? Because we love Methodists. We love Baptists. We love Catholics. We love Pentecostals. We love Presbyterians. In fact, if you love Jesus, we love you. I mean, so we're not a non-denominational, we're an interdenominational church, but basically that's our way of saying we don't care what denominational tag you wear. Come on in. Church had never, I mean, the county had never seen anything like that before. And, and then we built a church that looks like a mosque. <laughs> Do you know why that wooden cross is out front? Do you know why we put that cross out there? Because people thought we were a mosque. And we're not. I mean, we, we, I, weird. In fact, word was going around the county. I'm not making this up. There was a rumor going around the county that we were a cult. River of Life is a cult. I started hearing it. I thought, my goodness, why would anybody think we're a cult? And, th- and then... And then one day somebody actually face to face said, Pastor Jones, words out that y'all are a cult. And I do have red hair. And I said, we are not a cult. Who is saying this? Who is 
doing this. I said, we are not a cult. We're a church. Well, words out that you're a cult. And I, I said, well, what are people saying we're doing? What, what's going around the county? I'm not making this up. Somebody said, well, words out that y'all are sacrificing chickens down there. <laughs> now, not everybody appreciates my sense of humor. But I said, like I said, we are not a cult. We do sacrifice chickens. And I prefer mine fried. And the family coastal's got the best in the county. Fried chicken. Wave it, everybody, Roger. Wow. Yeah. I may, I may sacrifice some before the day is out. Who knows? Oh, friends. We are... We're not a cult. We're not a cult. We're a church. But I tell you what it did do for me is it did this. When I started hearing all this stuff, I decided to look up and find out what a cult is. What's the definition of a cult? I, I, I did some research on this. It's, it's pretty amazing. The first four definitions I found for a cult, you're going to be amazed when I share this with you. Here's the first one. A system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Wait now. We have one particular figure, don't we? And His name is what? Jesus. And we love Him. And we are devoted to Him. And He is the focus of our hearts, our lives, our families, our church. Everything we have. So, okay, I can't use that one. Second definition. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange. strange. (laughs) I hate to tell you folks, but you are a strange bunch of people. You are strange. I mean, really, and when the world looks at us, they think we're strange, don't they? I mean, really, you could be fishing this morning. Right. <laughs> I, I had a fellow ask me one time, he said, he said, Pastor, tell me, which one's the best? Do you think it would be best to be in church thinking about fishing or to be fishing thinking about I should be in church? I said, you come to church. You can, uh, we'll talk you out of that thinking about fishing. You could be fishing. You could be picnicking with your family this morning. You could be at the mall shopping. You could be at the beach sunning. You, you could be in your PJs in your favorite chair reading a good book. There's all kinds of things you could be doing this morning. But for some strange reason, you are here at River of Life. And that makes no sense to somebody who does not know our wonderful Savior. That makes no sense to somebody who has never experienced the presence of God or His forgiveness or His grace or His mercy or His manifold blessings. That just makes sense. No sense 
at all. Well, what is that, two? Yeah. So we're devoted to one. We, we're, we're pretty strange. Here, here's the third definition. A misplaced and excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. We're back number one now. <clears throat> here's number the fourth definition I found. A group or a sect bound together by veneration of the same thing, person, or ideal. Oh, friends. We are bound together by this amazing love for our Lord Jesus Christ. When the world looks at us from the outside and, and, and they see us, people from all different walks of life, loving each other, caring for each other, ministering to each other, bearing one another's burdens, that just makes no sense. I heard a black preacher say many years ago, when it comes to the family of faith, the blood that unites us is thicker than the water that divides us. Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, I looked, I saw Roger over here in the restaurant. And then I looked over here and I saw Sam from Sane Yard. And uh, I'm thinking, I've got to give equal attention. Okay, chicken. Do y'all serve chicken at the Sane Yard? Well, okay, best seafood in the... <laughs> Spread the love. And by the way, if you have a restaurant, I'm, I like it. <laughs> The blood that unites us is thicker than the water that divides us. We don't all have to look alike, dress alike, sound alike, say the same thing. If the blood that saved your soul saved my soul, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Alright, I need to point this out to you. This is in the last part of First Thessalonians, and we'll get there in a few weeks, but I just want you to see this right now. First Thessalonians 5.26 says, Greet all the brethren with a... Say it with me. You didn't say that with enthusiasm. <laughs> and greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Wow! Did you know what I found out? I started tracing this down. Did you know that there are five places in the New Testament where we're told to greet each other with a holy kiss? Five times in the New Testament, greet each other with a holy kiss. You know what I think that means? I think that means we should greet each other with a holy kiss. Plain and simple. It's all over the Bible. I preached at a primitive church, primitive Baptist church, some years ago, and there was this elderly guy in the church way up in years. He was kind of bent over by arthritis, and, and yet he had the glory of God on him, and he walked straight up to me. And he just reached up and he just put his hands on me and he pulled me in. I'd never had it happen before. He pulled me in and I thought he was going to whisper something in my ear and he kissed me on the cheek. And it was like a wave of the Holy Spirit went whoosh, all over my body. I was doing a little revival. It was weird. It was strange. It was unusual. But boy, it felt good. So the next night I showed up at the revival service. I saw him over there. I didn't wait for him to come to me. I went over there and I stuck my hand out. He took me by the hand, just real gently pulled me in, kissed me on the cheek. I got revived that week. 
I got revived that week. I was in a church up in Georgia. I had another member of that church to do the same thing to me. There's a guy in Wakulla County right now. I won't tell you his name. Some of you will know who I'm talking about. And uh, he's a Methodist. He's a devout Methodist. He loves the Lord. He, he, he walks in the Spirit, talks all the time. Uh, about Jesus. And when I see him, this is what he does to me. He's not quite as tender. He just grabs me. Sometimes he grabs me by the back of my neck. He'll just grab me and just pull me in. And he'll kiss me on the cheek. And he'll say, Pastor Jones, do you know God loves you? Every time I see him, I know it's coming. And I like it. The world doesn't understand it. But we are not to live our lives. We are not to fellowship with one another and interact with one another on a basis in which the world can understand. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, do you really want us to start kissing each other? Maybe. Maybe not. Here's what I want. Let me just do what I want. I want you, river of life, to heed the Scriptures that are before us and the prayers that have been prayed for us. And I want you to increase and abound in love to one another and to all. That's what I want. And I will agree, if you want to argue the point, I will agree that maybe kissing one another was a cultural expression that was acceptable in that day and is a little bit awkward today. And maybe we don't use the holy kiss anymore. Even though I can tell you, when I've been on the receiving end, it's been pretty powerful. But maybe that's not... Maybe it's a holy hug now. Maybe it's a holy something else now. I don't know. But I do know this somehow, some way. We as the body of Christ have to exercise and demonstrate our love for one another. We have to show each other that we love each other. A deep, intimate, powerful, holy love that exceeds the love of this world and goes beyond anything this world knows. These are the words of Jesus, John 13, 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Oh, it's a, it's a character trait. It's a birthmark. It, it, it defines us, doesn't it? Hey, a few months ago, there was a I say a few months, could be six months ago, and, and if you're here, uh, I apologize before I say this, because I don't mean anything bad by this. But somebody in our church brought somebody up and introduced them to me at the front of the church. They said, I want you to meet our pastor. And I was so pleased to meet them. And I just opened my arms. I said, come here and give me a hug. And this person said, no, I'm sorry. I don't hug. And I said, oh, that's okay, but we do. 
and I just grabbed him and pulled him in. Now, by the way, by the way, if you're going to get mad and if you're going to leave the church, I prefer it to be because you've been loved too much. Amen. Not because you've been neglected. I really don't, don't know how that person responded that day, but we are to be loving. We are to show love. And it's not enough for us to just have it in your heart. Uh, love was not given to us just to hide away in our hearts. We need to express it. We need to share that love. We need to abound in love, increase in love. We need to keep stepping that love up. And we need in our society today to stop being intimidated by the filth and the ugliness and the ungodliness of the world. And we need to refuse to let the unholy love of the world taint the holy love of God that we are to have for one another. It is amazing to me that we live in a society where nudity is on the increase, where perversion has become mainstream, where people are advertising their immorality on social media, where vulgarity is just commonplace. And at the same time, we're being told not to touch one another? What's, what's going on here? Can't you see what's going on here? Can't you see it? Ask the Holy Spirit open your eyes so you can see what's going on. You see, the enemy, the devil, is promoting and supporting perversion on one hand. But on the other hand, he's hindering the godly touch, the godly affection, the godly love that we are to have for one another. Oh, friends, there's all kinds of crazy bad stuff going on in the world, but we can't get paranoid. You say, Pastor, what if somebody misinterprets it? I mean, I don't want to be ugly here, but what if somebody misinterprets our love? What are they going to do? Go to hell number two? No, I'm serious. What's going to happen? We need to love each other. We need to stop letting the world hinder us from doing exactly what God's Word says. And that means we love each other and we speak to each other and we hug each other and sometimes we kiss one another and we show a deep affection for one another. Now listen, I shouldn't have to say this. It's a shame that I would even have to say what I'm about to say. But I have to, because I want to maintain the integrity of this message I'm sharing with you. But there is a touch that's sinful. There is a touch that's inappropriate. There is a touch that's ungodly. There is a touch that's completely out of order. The way we touch other adults, the way we touch children, if we're not careful, that can be out of order. It can be sinful. It can be ungodly. And no Christian should ever be guilty of that. No Christian. And if that has ever been a part of your life, then you repent of it and don't you ever, ever, ever do it again. 
through the blood. Get that behind you and start living a holy life for the Lord. But church, listen to me, river of life, listen carefully. There is a godly touch. There is a godly hug. There is a godly kiss. There is a godly show of affection. And that should be a big and dynamic part of this church and every church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there should, there should be a godly love, a, a, a godly love that permeates this fellowship, that just goes all through this fellowship. Man, that, that's exactly what should happen. Right in this fellowship, all the time. Did you know that in the New Testament they had services they call love feast? Now, if you said that out in the world, they wouldn't understand that a bit. But it's a holy love feast where the love of God begins to flow. I want to encourage you today, church, to start exercising a holy love, a, a strong, dynamic, godly love, and to start showing it, demonstrate it, hug one another, uh, kiss each other on the cheek. Now, I, I, I really feel like I'm fighting a battle against an evil, ugly, ungodly society. Uh, both men and women need to listen to me. There is a proper way to hug people. And there's an improper way to hug people. And if you don't know the proper way to hug somebody, you come up to me after the service and I will hug you and I will demonstrate to you how to hug somebody. You don't rub your body all over somebody when you hug them. And sometimes, if people want to do that to you, you got to back away. I am not joking. I've hugged people backing up before. And that's wrong. And you shouldn't do it. But because that's wrong, you don't give up what God's told us to do. I heard a guy say one time, if I showed you a counterfeit $20 bill, would you throw all your $20 bills away? You see, just because there's a counterfeit doesn't mean that all of them are counterfeit. See, we have the real thing. So, so we need to show love for one another. Real, genuine, holy, heavenly God-honoring, edifying, Christ-centered love for one another. And I want to tell you something, and I mean this with all my heart. The greatest sermon I've ever preached or ever will preach, the greatest sermon that any pastor in this church has ever preached or ever will preach will never be as evangelistic as this church exploding with the love of God. People on the outside will see it and they will think it's strange, but they'll want to come and be a part of it. And souls will be saved and lives will be changed. Now, how do you do this? I'm going to spend the rest of my message telling you how to do this. How do you do this? I know what some of you are thinking. I thought you were finished. <laughs> no. Here it is. It's, it's in the next chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 But concerning brotherly love, <clears throat> you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Child of God, you don't need for me to tell you how to love one another. The Holy Spirit of God that lives in you, love lives deep down in your heart. Let it out. When you look at somebody... 
If you're struggling, say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to love that person? You don't need to be taught. The Spirit of God will teach you how to love one another. Now, I want to ask you to do something. This is real kind of weird. I keep coming back to that word weird, don't I? This is, this is real weird. But we've done, I, I've done things like this before. I've been watching the clock very, very carefully because I wanted to make sure that we had plenty of time to do what I want you to do. It is 11.47. What time do we normally get out of church? 12. Did somebody say 12.30? I've never kept you to 12.30. So we're around 12. Okay, so, so we've got about 13 minutes, right? Is my math right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer and I want us to do for the next 10 minutes. Try, if you've got to leave. See, see, normally I wouldn't let you go to 12 anyway, so it's, you know, it's all even. If you've got to leave, then you hit the door. But if you can spend the next 5, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, just loving on one another. Oh, just say, hey, just everybody you see, say, I love you. I love you. Uh, hug somebody. Uh, kiss somebody on the cheek. Say, you know, you've been on my heart. Stand with me. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.